Welcome to UCI Conversations coverage of the 2018 UC Grad Slam competition. What is the UC Grad Slam competition, you ask? It is a competition where UC graduate and PhD students condense their years of research and thesis into a three-minute oral presentation. There is an extensive competition on each UC campus, and from there, the winners compete on May 3rd at LinkedIn's corporate headquarters in San Francisco. The competition is in its fourth year, and UCI has an excellent track record, coming in first in the first year, 2015, and second in 2016. With me today is UCI's 2018 finalist, Alana Ogata, to share with us the details of what she's been up to. Welcome, Alana. How's it going? (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me. It's good. Happy about that. Fantastic. Well, why don't we just start from the top, like where did you grow up and how did you get to UCI? Okay. I am originally from Washington, D.C. area in the Falls Church area. And I pretty much grew up on the East Coast. There was a period where I lived in the Philippines also for three years. But Virginia is my home, and I went to the College of William and Mary there, and a bunch of my friends and family are there. And ultimately, my research advisor at William and Mary suggested graduate school, which I had never thought of, and I wanted to come out to the West Coast, so I did all UC school applications and ended up going to UCI. Mainly because I really loved the atmosphere and everyone was really friendly here and the the professors were awesome. So it was a good choice. Fantastic. So you're a graduate student? I am. Any thoughts of going for your PhD? Yes, I'm pursuing the PhD right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm in my fourth year. Great. And hopefully fifth year will be the final one and then you do your dissertation and all things go well, you get your PhD at the end. Yeah. Gotcha. Whose lab are you in? My department is the chemistry department at UCI, and I work for Reg Penner. He's been here for, I think, almost like 28, maybe 30 years at this point. Does his lab focus on anything in particular, or or is a lot of different things in chemistry? I think pretty application-based, but in general, he's an electrochemistry lab. Uh-huh. And then I think the main things we focus on is electrochemical nanomaterials, and the applications are energy storage, like batteries, the biosensing, which is what I do, so sensors for point-of-care diagnostics, and then sometimes little extra projects, but very application-based, I would say. Gotcha. Do you interface with Professor Jack Brower at all? Isn't he into batteries and so forth, or...? If he is, I don't know him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. How did you get interested in this area? Because of Reg, actually. So I came to UCI really interested in solar energy and like the fuel cell industry. That's sort of what I did in undergrad. I was set on it. And then last minute, I met a graduate student with Reg, and then I talked to Reg, and he started talking about this project about making a sensor for cancer. And he just sold me on it, and he also seemed like a very nice person, and he is. And that's how I got into it. So it was new, completely new to me four years ago. And I've been doing it ever since. Has it been tough? How's the process gone? It was tough at the beginning. So I think like anything, when you learn something new, there's a bunch of hurdles to jump and there's a learning curve. But that's kind of the point of being in graduate school. You just have to take your time and read everything and learn from scratch. Yeah, it was tough at the beginning, but now at the end of the four years, it's kind of cool because I have this new expertise now and I actually really love 
the biotech industry, which I wasn't planning on going into before. And so. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so when did the grad slam come into focus? Has it been on your radar for a couple of years or you know, how was it introduced to you? No, and it, I don't want to say it was spontaneous and last minute uh, because I did prepare, but they have a ton of competitions like this across campus. So there's like a six-minute pitch competition, there's a four-minute pitch competition, and they're all essentially the same. And I saw my friend do one. It was five minutes, I believe. And that's when everyone was talking about how they wanted to do Grad Slam as well. And that was the first time I heard about it back in December. And so I thought, okay, I'll try it out. I was really inspired by everyone giving their research talks in such a short amount of time. And I really wanted to try it out and see how I would do. It turns out I really enjoy <laughs> doing the public speaking thing. So. so you really hadn't had that much exposure to public speaking in the past? Not in science. I did take one course called Activate to Captivate with Brie. She's amazing. And that was really just for fun. But otherwise, I had not, no, spoken in front of people besides my professor and lab mates. But I'm a fitness instructor, so, you know, I have to talk in front of people all the time to teach exercise classes. But it turns out that translated really well into talking about science as well. Excellent. Are you a fitness instructor at the ARC on campus? I am. I was. I'm taking a break from it now. But I did Zumba and Pilates for a while. Wow, excellent. So can you tell us a little bit more about your research? It sounds fascinating. Yes. I'm actually trying to remember my pitch now, but <laughs> I guess the short story is we want to make cancer testing available to everyone and an at-home sensor test would be great. Like a glucose meter and a pregnancy test are the gold standards for these point-of-care diagnostics. And we're trying to do the same thing now with bladder cancer. So bladder cancer, very hard to detect. You don't know it until the symptoms are very, very bad. So even if you had it now, you probably wouldn't go to the doctor just to get a cystoscopy unless you really had to. And so that's one of our first targets is we want to make the equivalent of a pregnancy test type sensor for bladder cancer. And this would allow people then to take the test in the comfort of their home. Yeah. A cheap device as well. If you joined us late, you're listening to UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, and I am interviewing UCI chemistry PhD candidate Alana Ogata, who will be participating in the UC Grad Slam competition on this Thursday, May 3rd, at LinkedIn headquarters in San Francisco, which will be moderated by UC President Janet Napolitano. Today, Alana talks about her research and what it is like to compete in a three-minute presentation contest. So is bladder cancer a slowly developing cancer or is it, would you literally be able to identify years early or mm. months early or what's your sense? I think we would be hoping, I don't know how fast it develops, that's a really good question, but I know that by the time you get symptoms, it's like, late. Yeah, it's very late, You're, it's already at a late stage and it's very hard to treat, and then it's long-term monitoring. And so we try to detect proteins in the body, so when the cancer tumor is present, your body will respond by producing an excess amount of protein. And this can happen in the early stages. This is something that you can then try and track before it's gotten to a very big malignant tumor. And that's the stage we're trying to get detection at. And you know, if the 
technology we're working on gets really good, we could also then say the stage of the cancer based on how much protein is in your yeah. urine. Mm-hmm. Is it 100% of the time will these proteins appear or do you have a sense of that yet? A lot of that's based on the medical community. So it's hard to get into or develop a sensor without the medical community backing up a lot of things. So we have to go for proteins that have already been proven by medical studies that say that, yes, most of the time, this is a proven test. Are you partnering with the School of Medicine or any other researchers, or is that maybe later on? We are not. Maybe that's later on. We just go to the literature and see there's tons of articles on what proteins they find in different human samples related to other things. So yeah, and then right now, we do collaborate with another lab, Greg Weiss's lab. So he's a big part of it, but he uh, supplies us a very important part of the sensor. But right, we don't have an outside contact to figure out which proteins yeah, to detect. Yeah, gotcha. So what is Greg Weiss's lab? What's his part in the project? Okay, I would say it's like a 50-50 yeah. split in uh-huh. terms of what we do. So right, there's these proteins in our urine that you know can relate to a bladder cancer tumor. So I always say as an analogy, they're like fish. And basically our sensor needs to be able to catch these and count them for us. So that way we know if it's an abnormal level or a normal level. And basically I designed the electronic sensor that counts it. And Greg Weiss provides us the fisherman, essentially, that then I can put into the sensor so it catches the proteins. Interesting. And he that's a big part of the field, though, is really working on efficient and specific fishermen to get the right proteins. Wow, wow. So are these proteins present in everybody? It's just a matter if they're elevated or mm, most people don't really have much and it just starts to appear. I think it's different for different types of proteins. Right now the one we're looking at is present in the urine and then it'll have elevated levels. Gotcha. And then other types maybe will be opposite or have no concentrations and then it'll suddenly be there in the urine. And so I guess another end goal would be you need a sensor that can detect several proteins at once. So you can't just target one and then say you have bladder cancer. So if you have eight, and then you check off eight of those proteins and the sensor detects all of them, that's just a more reliable way to say you might have the bladder cancer. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Is it equal for men and women? Is there different things being developed? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. We're not that far. Gotcha. Um, I imagine it would be different. It, it seems like in general, men and women, you kind of have to treat the studies differently. And I don't know how that's done in clinical trials, to be honest. Yeah, I've actually been listening <laughs> to some podcasts lately, particularly... Terry Gross and Fresh Air, where most medical studies in the past have really been slanted towards men, and it really there's. Really... Oh, I listened to that podcast. Wasn't that it good? Wasn't, yeah, it was crazy. Then yeah. they realized that women have been left out of the studies. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's good to know, and now we're moving into the 21st century. So, how far are you next to doing clinical trials, or? Do you need to have those or are you, you know, are you going to start selling next year or what, what, where are you guys? So in terms of academia and my PhD project, not that this is not important, but the project itself is always evolving. And so it's not being tailored towards a product that is sellable, but this is linked with a startup company called Phage Tech. 
So Phage Tech was founded by Greg Weiss and Reg Penner. Oh, okay. And I think it's been around for at least five years, maybe more than that. And the goal is clinical trials. I would say maybe a year or two or three out from there. But again, that's not really my focus. And so I can sit in on company meetings and I do a lot of presentations, updating them on what's going on on our side. I'm actually not sure on the details is how far it is, but we have not gotten to clinical trials yet. So that's the next goal. Gotcha. Wow. This is pretty incredible. <laughs> do you think? I mean, yes. just hearing your story, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. That was kind of the great thing about Grad Slam is I re-inspired myself about my research. You know, in grad school, you get bogged down in everyday experiments failing and it's it's quite tough actually to fail over and over again and that's what science is and so yeah I'm super excited and you know I really want this to be a product that people can have later no it's not going to be next year but I, I really believe in it I think this is the future of medicine too and healthcare is people being able to do it themselves yeah. and kind of take their own you know health into their own hands is this another example of technology moving forward. Could we have done this 20 years ago? Or? <laughs> I don't know. And it's, it just, it does seem like now I go to all these talks about different areas and biotechs and all these products and they're just booming. All of a sudden you have all these options to invest in startups that are going to do crazy things yeah. like an at-home cancer test. I don't know, but I guess that's just kind of the exciting time we're in now. It, I don't know why it didn't happen 20 years ago, and it is hard. I mean, there's like FDA approvals you have to go to, those take a long time. Clinical trials and money, and that's all changing. You know, they have incubators now, and even, you know, now we're at the Cove at UCI, and they have all these programs to help entrepreneurs. I don't know if that's a new thing, or if that was available 20 years ago, but it's definitely speeding up things and how fast startups can get. Gotcha, products gotcha. out there. Excuse me just for a moment, Alana. This is Kevin Bossemeyer with UCI Conversations, and we're talking with Alana Ogata today. She's a finalist in the UC Grad Slam competition, which will be coming up on May 3rd, and we're talking to her about her research and also her three-minute presentation that the competition is all about coming up. So, Alana, this process, it sounds like you've been involved with Grad Slam in this three-minute presentation of condensing your research and years of work since December. Has there been any points of light bulbs like, oh, you know, this is what I've learned or, you know, working with Brie in terms of presentations, like, you know, what you're focusing on. Do you have any presentation tips for our listeners? Yeah, it was hard. So I have edited my pitch, even through the different semifinals and finals, it's changed drastically. It is, it's really hard for scientists. And I think this is why they're encouraging it. But for us, getting it down to three minutes just seems impossible because we want to explain everything and we put our heart into this and all of a sudden you have to cut out a lot of things. The first one I did, I presented to just a couple non-scientists and thought it was great. I thought it was explaining the science and they were just like, I don't really care. Like, can you just tell me if it works or, you know, this part, you lost me completely. And by the end, I, to me, it feels like I am cutting out a lot of the science when in reality, it's still there and it's much more accessible than it was in my first draft. So I think my tip is like, you have to accept the fact that you can't go into the science until you get someone's attention. So the three minutes, 
You have to make it simple, straightforward, one message. And then if people are interested, you can then tell them all the great things you do every day in lab in the scientific jargon. But that was the toughest thing, was just constantly cutting, cutting, cutting. Because of course in an academic journal, you have technical jargon, you want to sound super smart and just doesn't work <laughs> if you want people to listen. I can totally relate. <laughs> I've been in Toastmasters on campus, not speak Toastmasters for about two and a half years. And at the time I was doing personal taxes and I did a speech on the Affordable Care Act, mm. Obamacare, whatever you want to call it. And man, I had all these facts and figures. <laughs> and I was so excited to share that with the club and the audience. And literally, and it's a five to seven minute speech. And halfway through, I literally could see the faces glossing over. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. And, you know, I think at the end of the speech, they were like, oh, he really knows what he's talking about. If I ever have a question, I'll go to him, but I have no idea what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing experience to see that happen. And one of the great reasons why I recommend Toastmasters. Yeah, I'll check that out after this. Yeah, you know yeah. That. We would love to have you. Yeah, I do not. I think... Maybe that makes me a better public speaker, but I, it bothers me when I can tell that people get the glossed over. And it's not their fault, but I respond very heavily to that. Right. I want people to be entertained. Well, I think you do a great job of it. I saw the competition here at UCI. Compliments to you. And, oh, and thank I think you. you. <laughs> What's it like now preparing for the UC system-wide competition? So are you working on it on a weekly basis or where does it stand now? I took a break. The finals were back in like a month ago at this point and the finals still aren't until May 3rd. So we do a really early compare. A lot of the UCs still haven't chosen their finalists, in oh, fact. Yeah. yeah, so I took a break. And now that it's April and I have a month, I will start practicing. Bree has suggested I just go over it maybe once a day. And at this point, it's just making it very casual and kind of like muscle memory. I can do it on the spot if I need to. I, I should be practicing more maybe, but in the next few weeks, I'll be meeting with Bree and pretty much just doing it. And we're gonna see how my personality comes through every time or you know, if I'm tired, how do I still get through it? But luckily, I don't, it's not going to change much from what you saw at the finals. Do you have points in your present? Yeah, three minutes goes so fast. <laughs> Any other tips for a speaker? I think I did it backwards when I was developing the speech, which was I said it first and then typed it up. Well, I think a lot of people, or at least I realized a lot of my friends were typing a script and then memorizing the script and it just didn't seem to work for anyone. And for me, it was more natural to just try and speak through what I think the script would be a bunch of times and then type it up and kind of cut it that way. And that made it a lot easier to, I wasn't even memorizing it. It was how I naturally said it the first time and I could say it again, right? And then that's a big tip. Otherwise, I know I don't get big nerves or anything. And I think again, part of that is I'm used to talking in front of large exercise classes. Mm. But I would say my tip is to adapt to the audience, but that's, that's something you have to practice mm -hmm. um, for sure. <laughs> like in a fitness class, I have to speak at the same time I'm exercising at the same time I watch everyone in the class. And you know, if someone looks like they're not happy or they're doing the exercise wrong even, I have to very quickly adapt my script basically and get help them. And so I do the same thing in grad slam which I don't know if that's a good or bad habit. I improvise sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> on the spot, but I think it's good to practice doing that so you're not afraid of going off script either. Right, right, that sounds really good.
You are listening to UCI Conversations. Today's guest is chemistry grad student Alana Ogata, who is competing in the UC Grad Slam competition on Thursday at LinkedIn headquarters in San Francisco. What's your plans? When will you graduate with your PhD? Is there a date right now or, or no. not, you're not sure? Yeah, <laughs> not sure. Um, I'm hoping within 2018 and the beginning of 2019. Five years is a good amount of time to get your PhD. But uh, this is the question all grad students get and kind of have no answer for, for the most part. It depends on my project right now. It so does. it's the last project. I put that in quotation marks because you have no idea how long it's going to take uh, to finish a project. Oh, okay. um, so that could be, you know, a few months if everything goes well. And if everything doesn't go well, that could be, you know, six months to eight months. But I'm going to say a year. I have a year left. Mm. So a PhD, it's not like when you're an undergrad, four years. Mm -hmm. When you're a graduate, is there a, in chemistry, is there a, you know, is that three years or is it four years or no, that's kind of fluid too. I don't know. What? I think it's fluid. Uh, uh, five uh, years is the average. That's kind of what grad students are willing to put up with, but it's all based on your research. So we call it graduate school, but it's basically like a job. You're not taking classes the whole time. You're actually performing experiments all day in the lab. And so if everything goes well and your research is successful and you get publications very quickly, it could be four years. And you know, if research doesn't go as smoothly, it can be six to seven years. And so that's why I think I've seen people graduate all over the spectrum. Interesting. To get your graduate degree, your master's, what was the deciding factor for you between a master's degree and a PhD? Mm. At least for chemistry and yeah. probably a lot of the STEM fields, when you apply to graduate school, you apply for the PhD. I'm not going to get a master's on the way. That has been taken out, basically. Oh. Yeah, I think I just took the advice of my advisor from undergraduate and then said, I'm going for the PhD. And I've seen some people stop halfway and then you can get the master's if you don't want to go all the way. But essentially, when you apply, it's just better to say you're applying for the PhD and go for it. Oh, okay. And then later, if you feel like after two years it's not your path, you can master out. That's kind of the option they give. Oh, okay. But it's no longer, you no longer get your master's on the way. Interesting. And that's typical for STEM? Yes, yeah. Okay. Well, if you win the Grand Slam competition, what do you win? Do you know? I do. It's, uh, I didn't realize how much. It's a cash prize, which is crazy. I don't know exactly where it comes from. I'm very curious about <laughs> who started this in the first place. But I think it's $2,000 or $3,000 cash prize for first, and it goes down second and third. They also get cash prizes. And then I guess the school just gets bragging rights, and right. it's over, and then, yeah. And you get bragging rights too. Yes. <laughs> is that, you know, is it a big feather in your cap? It's, you know, it's, it's a good thing, but there's a lot of good things along the way. Is this just an, another one of those or is this fairly recognized? This is, I've been getting a lot of attention from it, so I didn't realize that it's recognized, but I think it is. And if anything, my name is now out there for a brief period of time on random articles or Grad Slam advertisements. And other people have reached out to me now. 
for different programs unrelated to Grad Slam, but they were like, I saw your name, you're in the chemistry department, we need a STEM person to help us out with something. So that's really cool. And yeah, and again, I've never really done public speaking to non-scientists about science, and it's always a nice justification to know that people are interested in what you do or like listening to you. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. I'm happy I made it this far and you know, whatever happens at Grad Slam regardless, this has just been an awesome experience. Great. How about on a lighter side, since we just have a minute or so left, what do you like to do in your spare time? Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have spare time? I do, I do. <laughs> I'll go with, I like fitness, but I think cooking is the one. I love to cook. It's like the one maybe controlled thing I have at the end of the day. And then I'm actually vegan, so I don't eat any animal-based products. So that forces me to get really creative in the kitchen. It's just fun. It's like my time to kind of do science, kind of like chemistry, mix things up, and then I get to eat it at the end. Yeah, that's definitely my biggest stress relief. Gotcha. Well, Alana, all our best wishes were excited to see the competition in may and we wish you all the best good luck thank you thank you so much i guess i'll see you there